My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Prodigy is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Psychonauts. Quick disclaimer here. This episode discusses substances that are currently illegal, so it may not be suitable for children or adults who are, like, totally lame. Listener discretion advised. So I've been seeing lots of medical research about the potential benefits of psychedelics, specifically microdosing psilocybin, also known as magic mushrooms. Listeners really liked E.S. Fine from the Lucid Dreaming episode, and he is an expert psychonaut who has tripped thousands of times. So I brought him back on to discuss psychedelics. By the way, I had my first lucid dream last week where I had full control. It was really cool, and the flapping your arms thing really worked. Anyway, here's my conversation with E.S. Fine. Oh, and uh, my name is Lowell Berlanti, and this is Prodigy. Yeah, so they were doing a lot of research on primarily what LSD back, uh, what, like in the 60s or before? Um, the research they were doing uh, in the 60s and even before was extremely few and far between. And it would be um, very sparse. And the studies they would be able to do would just have hilarious constraints on them. Um, probably the most famous therapeutic LSD study, the one that just constantly comes up and it's also very controversial, uh, was one of the, um, fathers of LSD, Timothy Leary. He's the guy that really, really made it famous. Him and his friend, Richard Alpert. This experiment is called the Concord prison experiment. And through this experiment, Leary was trying to see if he could give prisoners uh, therapeutic sessions of LSD, ideally a single session, and reduce the recidivism rate in America. Uh, the recidivism rate in America, the rate at which prisoners go back to prison, is astronomically high, uh, some of the highest in the entire world, 70% region. So he was attempting to lower that through psychedelics alone. Um, if the results that he showed were incredible, that being said, as we've returned to that study and we've kind of taken a look at it, there were a lot of problems with it. Yeah. Like, um, um the fact that, uh, you know, weren't they're not set up to succeed after they get out of prison. <laughs> like, think, that's exactly right. That's a big one, right? Yep. So this, the, he, what we found was he was trying to show that it was kind of like, as they call the magic bullet and you could take one dose and you'd be good to go. We now know that isn't the case. Um, for many people that is right. They can take one dose and it completely changes their lives. But for the vast majority of people to use it in a therapeutic setting, like you said, that you have to have what Leary called the halfway houses as well. 
Um, so after you do this therapy, you have to have cathartic visitation to reconsider what you went through, especially for individuals that need this most, like violent prisoners, if you want to reintegrate them into society. What do you categorize these as, like chemical-altering substances, psychedelics? Like, what's the, the blanket term? There are many blanket terms. You're going to hear people say uh, hallucinogen, psychedelic. These are basically synonymous. Um, the term that we like to use, especially in the community, is entheogen, which is ultimately meaning like a natural compound that that alters you. Th this, again, the word natural is very controversial, especially when it comes to Timothy Leary. He kind of made it controversial because he said, if it's not natural, where does it come from? A different dimension? So ultimately, his argument was everything is natural. Um, so like plastic bottles, <laughs> sure. Even, even plastic, does that not come from the earth? Right. I mean, uh, you, you ultimately could, it's just a chemical compound and right. ultimately at some point in the universe, you're going to find plastic. Maybe not always. It might be very rare, but you will find it. Right. So, so in including, um, LSD, psilocybin and DMT, what are the differences, I guess, between them? As far as, uh, LSD full name being lysergic acid and uh, psilocybin mushrooms, uh, they are unbelievably similar. Just want to note here that some experienced psychonauts may disagree that psilocybin and LSD are very similar. They are somewhat different, but alike in that they are both tryptamines and have a similar effect on serotonin. If you want to discuss further, hop into the comment section on the episode page at prodigypodcast.com. They are also very, very similar to things like peyote, Mescaline is the psychoactive compound, uh, San Pedro mushrooms, uh, excuse me, San Pedro uh, cactus, um, and like LSA seeds. A lot of people have done, uh, you can get these anywhere. Morning Glory, they grow in Illinois, where I'm from. Um, you can just go grab some seed pods. Unbelievably similar as well. If you were to give someone a dose of LSD or mushrooms and you didn't tell them what you gave them, I even myself, I'd be very, very hard pressed to be able to tell the difference. Um, the major difference is the visual effects. All of them have very distinct visual effects, the geometries that take place. As a matter of fact, the, the geometries that you see are unbelievably similar to the ancient geometric artworks that we see of, of you know, for example, the, the Aztecs and the Mayans. When you take LSA seeds, all you see is the artwork. That they, that they wrote. And these individuals constantly talked about saying, hey, that's where we got that artwork. We saw in these visions, these geometries. So DMT is a class of its own. It's really not fair to kind of put that in into the same class. Um, but LSD and psilocybin mushrooms, basically identical. Um, as far as DMT is concerned, this is, a, this is a whole new territory. I've heard it described as, and I love this description, DMT is like taking LSD and mushrooms, stuffing it in a cannon and just launching it into outer space. It is on another level. Um, the chances of what we call ego death, which myself included, a lot of times when we macrodose, we're trying to achieve ego death. You're trying to experience complete loss of self um, so that there is no distinction between self and what is outside the self. The chances of ego death on DMT are so incredibly high. Um, you could try for years and years and years with LSD and mushrooms and never achieve it. You'll get it your first time on DMT if you do enough. Another term you'll hear in the community is the breakthrough. People are trying to have the breakthrough where you break through the veil um, and you, you die ultimately. Mentally, right? Not, not <laughs> yeah, I was like, legitimately uh, die. Right. 
But this experience of death is this is something you've actually brought up another time. Uh, it'll it's seeing the universe and seeing yourself through a completely new and open lens that has nothing to do with your cultural identity, your your what I like to call earth domestication, all of these values and ideas that have been ingrained into you and you've been told, yeah, this is the way of the world. This is how it is. This is how we work. This is how everything functions. All of that is obliterated. And you start to see things from a completely fresh lens, almost like a baby. How would you pitch this to like some grumpy old boomer who's like, that sounds like a bunch of hippie nonsense? Uh, I mean, they're right. It is some hippie nonsense. There's nothing wrong with hippie nonsense, though. <laughs> no, but really, you know, this is something I've brought up to my own mom and said, you know, yeah, I think this would be great for you, mom. You should really consider this because I've heard her, uh, you know, maybe make certain statements or other individuals who are a lot older make certain statements that are clearly statements that have to do with their culture and their time period, which really have nothing to do with our new culture and time period that's taking place. So I would tell them, hey, there's nothing to be afraid of. The only thing that you would have to fear is breaking down constructs that are ridiculous already. And if you don't think the constructs that you believe in and the identity that you believe in is ridiculous and it's legitimate, well then fine, you have nothing to fear. But if it's not legitimate, this is going to break it down. So as far as how would you pitch it to that person, it's going to be pretty tough. It's absolutely going to be tough because they're going to have to face themselves in ways that they have absolutely refused to up until this point. Right, and, and that sounds scary to me. And I'm assuming maybe other people who are interested because there's a lot of, you know, Study, research being going on right now about microdosing. Um, so, can you talk, I guess, a little bit about some of the research that they're doing now and why it started up so so much? Yeah, the most of the research taking place now that I've seen is to aid people who are terminal, um, who are very very close to death, and help them accept death um, and accept that you know, it's okay. It's okay to die just as it was okay to live. You know, you, another substance you'll see with this, by the way, is ecstasy, uh, MDMA. MDMA, yeah. I also saw treatment-resistant depression, like... Uh... Yeah. By the way, treatment-resistant depression, we are finding unbelievable results with ketamine. You get a single dose of ketamine every three months or so, and it's just completely curing people of their depression. And microdosing is is essentially taking like, what, like a tenth or like two tenths the amount of like a full dose that would give you like the full effects they call it, as I call macro dosing, but it's really what they call it, full dosing. Yeah. And something I, that you're right about that. It's kind of up to your discretion, you know, how much you can handle and what you consider to be microdosing. Um, I know certain dudes that consider microdosing to be like half a tab. I could never do that. To me, that's already the beginning of a macro dose. Um, it kind of just depends on who you are, though. But um as far as how much you should be doing, again, it's completely personal. There's, there, you can't just say it's, it's absolutely one way or it's another. In the scientific setting, when we have this in a, in a laboratory setting, they will set the limits and they will say, hey, this is what we consider the micro, this is what we consider it isn't. This does become a problem though, because some studies have shown that body weight has nothing to do with this. Other studies have shown it has everything to do with this. There's a lot of confounding aspects here. Do they cancel um, out? Yeah. Yeah. It's... I'm just but um, <laughs> I saw a couple of different uh, methods that people use for like how they take it like three days in a row and then stop. Like, how does that work? So here's something to keep in mind. Um, any type of psychedelic hallucinogen, whatever you want to call it, you are immediately going to build up resistance. So if you were to take, let's say, an eighth of mushrooms and you start tripping two hours go by and you say, yeah, you know, I'd like to take a little bit more. It's not going to work. 
you've already built up a complete tolerance to it. It doesn't matter how much you take. It's going to have virtually no effect. Um, so it, ultimately, it's too late. So you need to decide that you want to take more within the first 30 minutes or really it's not going to have any effect. And if you want to take it that let's say you're going to a music fest, a lot of people like to trip, you know, five days in a row at a music fest. Well, you're going to have to take double the amount each day. So if you take an eighth of mushrooms one day and you want to have the exact same effect the next day, you're taking two eighths, you're taking a quad. If you want to have the exact same effects the next day, you're going to take half an ounce. So this is going to get pretty intense. This is also awesome because it stops you from getting addicted. You not not only is the chance for addiction like basically negligible. We've never really seen people get addicted to these substances uh, in the traditional or in the psychological sense. The chances of getting addicted are so unbelievably difficult because you'd have to spend so much money and get so much product even to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, that's that, that tolerance is kind of a kind of a cool aspect of it, in my opinion. It stops you from doing it too much. What sort of research has been done on the positive effects and like why it's having a positive effect? Immense amounts of research, especially outside of America. Um, we see a lot of research taking place in numerous European countries, but there is a lot of research taking place in America. I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the most famous studies on dimethyltryptamine uh, was through Rick Strassman at the University of New Mexico. This was in early two th like 2012, somewhere around there. He wrote a book on it called the DMT, the spirit molecule. And he took uh, numerous very advanced psychonauts who had a huge amount of experience. I love that um, word, psychonauts. That makes it, <laughs> makes it sound so cool. Like Explorers. Of the psyche. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that word too. I like calling myself a psychonaut. Um, once I heard that word, I was like, that's me. That's how I'm going to wear that as a badge of honor. <laughs> um, so he took all these psychonauts and then he took a few people as well that had virtually no experience just to kind of use as a control. Um, and what he found was there were extremely similar elements with all of these people's experiences despite the differences in their culture and personality. And what he found was all of these people had experiences, especially at higher doses that we would call mystical, that we would call religious. They felt connected to something so much deeper than themselves. And after these experiences, they felt more fulfilled in life. They felt like they weren't as lost. They, they said to themselves, you know, I, I, I get it. I feel motivated. I feel like life is worth it. Life is worthwhile. I want to be alive. I want to go out there and try different things. So number one, why would someone want to do this? It gives you motivation. I would say that's the the number one uh, effect that these ex these experiences and these substances have on you. Um, number two, I'll, I'll give my own experience as far as how this is uh, therapeutic for me. Um, this is something I touched upon in our previous podcast, but I was born uh, with a birth defect called Poland syndrome, where I was born without a right pectoral muscle. And I viewed myself in a wildly negative way. And through numerous sessions of LSD, specifically LSD, and literally just staring at myself in the mirror naked, I was able to realize and fully, fully integrate into my consciousness in a, in a full brain pattern that's still there to this day, an appreciation for not only being alive, but for having my physical form as it is. I was able to see, listen, man, this is just part of it. The birth defect that you experienced, someone else experienced something else. Someone else didn't experience that defect. And that's just part of reality. And there's nothing wrong with it. So instead of seeing myself as other, instead of seeing myself as this odd, abnormal thing, I started accepting myself as just a natural part of reality. So that is a highly, highly therapeutic aspect of it. It helps you get over insecurities and accept yourself. It sounds difficult. I mean, just... Because especially because I'm sure lots of people have had trauma with the loss of a loved one or, or whatever. So I imagine maybe it would be helpful for that as well. 
Oh, very much so. Yeah, I, you know, I would like to say to your listeners as well, this is not, especially if you're not experienced with this, this is not something you want to do alone. Um, one of the most common things that can happen while you're tripping is you can forget that you're tripping. Um, time becomes utterly irrelevant, especially at higher doses. You start to see that time is truly a very, just as Einstein taught us through his math, time is truly subjective. It's not a real thing. Um, right, so they say set and setting, right? Yes. When we say set and setting, we don't only mean where you are. That's the setting, right? Uh, uh, the music that's around you, the people that are around you, the set is you. What's going on in your own mind? So I know a lot of people that will say, hey, man, I did a lot of LSD back in the day. I didn't really get therapeutic effects for it because you didn't want therapeutic effects. You went and partied on it, which is fine, by the way, to each his own. But if you say to yourself, hey, I want to take LSD and have a good time, well, then you're going to have a good time. That's your set. But if you take LSD and say, look, I want to get over my insecurities. I want to find motivation. I want to explore what it means to be alive. Well, that's exactly what it's going to give to you. It's just, We have to remember this is a chemical reaction, right? The LSD, the psilocybin, all these substances, they alone are not doing anything. They are integrating themselves with your system. So your system is part of this equation. So not everyone's going to have the same experience. And just like you said, if you set the set correctly, you're going to have an experience that you truly want. That's also why you want to have a sitter, why you don't want to do it alone. Because again, you can forget. You could start going, is this going to go on forever? Am I going to be tripping for the rest of my life? And that's why the sitter is there to go, nah, dude, you took LSD. This was your, this was your motivation. That reminds me of that, um, that 911 call where the cop, like him and his wife, like ate the weed brownies. And I've heard it. Like... Yeah, can you please send rescue? I think I'm having an overdose at the store with my wife. Okay, you and your wife? Yes. Overdose of what? Marijuana. Can you please send rescue? Okay, how old are you? I'm 28, 29 years old and my wife is uh, 26. Please come. 26? Yes, please. Have you guys been drinking also? What? Have you guys been drinking today too? No, that's it. Do you guys have fever or anything? No, I'm just, I think we're dying. Okay, how much did you guys have? Uh, I, I don't know. We made brownies, and I think we're dead. I really do. Okay, uh, how much did you put in the brownies? I don't know. I, 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 Was it a bag? Who made the brownies? I, I, um, my wife and I did. Cuba, come here. How much did you buy? I don't... I, just please send rescue. They're on the way, but I'm trying to figure out how much you bought and put into the brownies, sir. Probably like a quarter ounce total. A quarter ounce total into yeah. the brownies? Did you guys eat all the brownies? Yeah, we did. What's the score in the Red Wings game? What? What's the score in the Red Wings game? I've got no clue. I don't watch the Red Wings. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure this isn't some type of like hallucination that I'm having. <laughs> uh, but so, but like from I don't, that makes sense to me. Like you know, you have this sort of like large experience where you confront some parts of yourself but what about micro dosing where you're not getting that sort of like tripping effect yeah the whole point of micro dosing is to when you take small i'm i don't know if, you know how experienced you are or how, how much you want to talk about but is when you take small amounts of uh any psychedelic the first effect that you get is you can't stop smiling you just it's called the lsd smile and you're like a cheshire cat you're just like you're like, okay, I look so weird. Are your pupils dilated too? Because that would not, be... Not right terrible. away, okay. but yes, you know, with especially like four hours into it, yeah, your pupils are as big as charcoal, um, which by the way, that gives you night vision. 
That's one of the coolest <laughs> effects of this. Your your pupils stay dilated, so any even minute amount of light gets into them. So you can. That's a lot of hunters back in the day took it for that reason. Um, uh, so microdosing though, the whole point is to just get that little serotonin flow and to get that little happiness throughout your day, um, without having to take something that has terrible, terrible consequences. Um, you know, there's numerous drugs that give you the same effect that are, are going to be legal and, and prescribed by physicians. Like but reuptake they, inhibitors? Some, yeah, some SSRI, some of them have SSRI effects. Um, some of them stop the serotonin, um, from flowing as much, which in the end has a, a actual, uh, opposite feedback loop. So in the end you, you can get more serotonin, right? Um, so ultimately what we're trying to, what we're trying to focus on here is the serotonin and dopamine, but specifically the serotonin, specifically because these substances are indoles of serotonin, meaning they're basically identical. Um, so they have almost identical effects, especially we, we now know with this, uh, even in the last, maybe like, let's say 10 years, huge amounts of serotonin is produced by the gut, um, and the flora of our gut. So the fact that these are going through our gut and our intestines, that just goes to show, okay, well, it makes sense that so much serotonin activity is taking place with these substances. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of, uh, gut research on uh, mental health now, right? Yes. Uh, one of the most interesting things I ever saw was that. I first learned this, in fact, through Kurzgestatt, that, that YouTube channel where they said, you, you don't really have hunger centers. The hunger that we experience, the, the desires for food that we experience, that's a habit formed by the gut bacteria that you've been producing through habituation of certain ingestion of foods. So if you're constantly eating fast food, you're going to produce fast food bacteria, which are going to send signals to the quote unquote hunger centers of your brain, which don't actually exist, that says, go get more of that. So I, I like to remind people, hey, if you want to change your diet, it only takes a certain amount of time to completely alter the gut bacteria to start telling you, hey, I like this stuff. At first, you might not like a salad, but that's because you don't actually decide whether or not you like salad. The gut bacteria do. So well, you got to start replacing about, them. What about with soda? Because you know, when I don't drink much soda, I don't want it. But then when I drink it, I'm like, oh, it's so good. When I like I'm drinking it over and over again. Yeah, that's that sugar. sugar. Yeah, that's that sugar. Yeah. And even, even if it's diet, we, you know, it's contains yeah. substance, artificial substances that mimic yeah. that effect of sugar. I uh, door dashed a McDonald's sausage biscuit this morning. I'm not ashamed to say. <laughs> well, I'm a little ashamed, but yeah. A little ashamed. I can hear it in your voice. All right. Let's take a quick break to hydrate. Be right back. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans. Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that! Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Welcome back to Prodigy. I'm really interested in the positive benefits of microdosing. It sounds like something that could really be beneficial. Uh, and they're now they're starting to try and get 
you know, they're doing the research to try and get FDA approval for, you know, I guess therapy, using it in a therapy setting, in a controlled uh, therapeutic setting. Um, do you have any, like, info or insight into that? Uh, the only insight I have is the information that have been, has been released with those studies. I've written several articles on my website, Wonder Aggressive, about the effects that we've seen through uh, therapeutic studies with LSD and mushrooms. What we find is when you have, uh, when you go into these experiences with a guide, with a individual who's experienced, who can kind of help you through it, especially with the first time, your chances of it being positive are astronomically higher. Not only astronomically higher, often 100%. So they'll take, you know, nine to 15 people and from all different backgrounds and say, hey, what are the effects that these people have? As long as they have that guided therapy session, it's going to be positive 100% of the time in many, many cases. Um, so every every time I find a new study on LSD or mushrooms that have, have been, you know, given to individuals in a therapeutic setting, I always get very excited and I always go, well, we already know what the results are going to be. And they always turn out to be exactly the same. It's 100%. Everyone in these studies is going, look, I found some benefit from it, uh, whether it was increased happiness, increased motivation, uh, increased, uh, um, like you said, acceptance about maybe a lost loved one or some type of trauma they went through. It's multifaceted. Ultimately, it's, your, it's an exploration of, of the brain. Especially with MDMA, too, for treating PTSD. Yeah. At least I've seen a fair amount of stuff about that. Yeah. P, uh, not only PTSD, but just empathy in general. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done uh, MDMA or, or, or MDMA mixed with things, which would ultimately just be what we call ecstasy. Um, if you take a lot of people get confused when they hear ecstasy, they're like, oh, that's the same as MDMA. MDMA is pure. That That's your molly, right? That's your pure ecstasy. When normally when we say ecstasy, that pill is rolled with things, either methamphetamine or heroin or other things. Is that things why they call too. it rolling? It's, you're rolling. Yeah, you're rolling on oh. those pills. You know what the guide um, the guide thing makes me think of. I'm sorry to, to joke, but you know that movie Get Him to the Greek, where they they take the Jeffrey and uh, oh yeah, the wall. he's like rubbing the fur. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and by the way, if you've ever done it, texture is wildly incredible, it, absolutely amazing. You really would you you act like that. They didn't just make that up. Um, every sense is just heightened to an incredible degree. Um, this is why it's so effective in therapy too. You are experiencing the world in a more meaningful, in a more deep way. Um, you get beyond these, these programmed thoughts that are constantly telling you to be depressed and to be unhappy and to, you know, kind of squander your ability to enjoy it's like this a, experience. It's a fixed life. model, right? You know, yes. so you're like, I, I, anytime I think about this one thing, you know, I feel the same way, but if you can sort of change the model a little bit, then you can, I guess, approach it from a different perspective and maybe break it down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So let's use um, uh, addiction as a great example, because all of these substances are so incredible with curing addiction. I saw that too. Yeah, that's interesting. It wildly effective. And so the question is why? Well, when we look at addiction, we know that this is a ingrained pattern. It's not just a physical thing. <laughs> there you go. It's not just a physical thing, right? It's mostly, it's actually mostly psychological. Mostly it's a, it's a habit that has been formed with repetition. Addiction is just a, a repeated pattern. And I can even just go from there. Addiction is just a, a something that's been repetitive. So the reason these psychedelics, in general, these substances work so incredibly well is they cut that pattern immediately and they allow you to see it for what it is, a pattern. And they allow you to meta-program your brain in the moment and tell yourself, yeah, I don't want that. 
I don't want that pattern. You can see through the pattern immediately. Um, in fact, I used to smoke cigarettes uh, when I was in university, about 18 and 19, and that is how I quit. Um, I find cigarettes and, and nicotine in general hilariously easy to quit with a psychedelic. I've known many people. You start doing the psychedelic and instead of seeing... You yourself, you you consume nicotine, correct? Um, yeah, I'm hitting this vape thing right now. And most, like, most people, they're like, you know... I don't want to keep doing it, right? So I'm assuming that was part of it. Yes. You talk to so many people, including myself at the time, who go, oh, I really want to quit this. Well, listen to yourself. And you can ask the person, well, then why aren't you quitting it? Eh, it's just not a good time right now. Eh, I don't know, man. It's just, you know, I, I don't really want to quit. I kind of do want to quit. It's like, screw you, you man. Yes. What about yourself? <laughs> and the, the mind relents. Right. Well, when you take these substances, you are forced into this position where you can no longer relent. But more importantly, you can see it at a deeper level. You can see what that substance is doing to you. You can see how it's destroying your body and creating this system that you're out of control. And it gives you that ability to make this decision in the moment and go, yeah, I want to be in control, though. I don't want to be completely let loose from myself and I don't want to be destroying myself. Now, you do have to want it, by the way. It's not just going to snap and work. It, it, it's set, right? You have to want this for it to actually function like that. Some of the pres prescription medications they prescribe for stuff like depression or treating trauma or stuff like that, you know, pharmaceuticals that often have a fair amount of side effects. And it's not like you're altering the dose. You kind of have to just stay on it. So um, it would be cool, I think, you know, for to be able to explore these types of substances um, where you didn't have to take a pharmaceutical. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who say, well, you are taking a pharmaceutical, right? The, these substances are pharmacological by nature. At least for me, when I think of psilocybin, uh, you know, it's, it comes from a mushroom, right? But it's still a chemical that's altering something in your brain. Right. That's right. Um, it, it's natural, right? I, even LSD, look, ultimately LSD, this comes from ergot fungus. Uh, it's like fungus that grows on rye bread. It has been altered. This, this is something that, you know, had to go through an organic chemistry process um, to create what we call the LSD. You wouldn't want to eat ergot fungus straight uh, and make you very sick, potentially kill you. Um, LSD, on the other hand, it won't. Do you know how they've changed LSD? Because you know how like, weed's like way more potent. All LSD you're going to get is going to have a slightly different effect um, because it's never purely identical. And more importantly, you never know what the actual potency is. It's measured in micrograms. So people could say, Hey, I took one tab. That one tab might be 300 micrograms or 50 micrograms. This is a difference of six times the dosage. You really never know. Well, it's scary. So what do you do? Like take like a tiny amount and see what it does. You have to guinea pig it. So anytime someone has wanted to ingest, um, LSD for the first time, and I've been sitting with them always, I'll say, Hey, when we get the dose, I'm going to get a little bit extra for me. I'll take it first, decide how strong this is, and then I will let you know what would be an appropriate amount for you. Um, but yeah, it is, even as a unbelievably experienced individual, it is very scary because you might be taking a tab that's a thousand micrograms for all you know. I've come across several people in my life that are like, yeah, I've never tried marijuana. Every time I do, you know, I, I freak out. Oh, no, I, I've tried it. I just freak out every time. And I'm like, you're doing too much. You know, <laughs> like someone needs to introduce you to it by just giving you a little bit. You know? Yeah. Or the I people know. that say, oh, I've tried marijuana. I didn't like it. And you're like, oh, how did you do it? I took this edible. Well, that that's a completely different experience than smoking it. Well, right. That's so easy to take too much. And then also the classic, you know, when uh, I don't know if people say this much anymore, but I didn't get high my first time. And I'm like, well, you didn't inhale. <laughs> Yeah. I will tell you this, though. Interestingly, I know many people that 
absolutely did inhale took 10, 11, 12 times to get high their first time. That is a very, very well-known phenomenon. We don't fully understand it. I don't um, believe it. I fully believe they just didn't inhale. Dude, I've wa- I've literally watched it. My I don't want to use any names, but my good friend who resisted, he was a roommate for a long time. He resisted consuming cannabis. He'd see me constantly doing it. One day he's like, "All right, I'll try it." And he tried it and nothing happened. And we're like, "Dude, you didn't you didn't actually inhale. You're like you're too scared." He's like, "I did. I did." Okay. So the next time we try it, we're all eyeing him so close. We're like, "Let's see it." And he I mean, he fully he's taking these giant hits and we're like, "Dude, you're going to get so blazed. Oh my god. <laughs> nothing." Just absolutely nothing. Even to this day, he's like, I've never really had an effect. And normally I wouldn't believe it, but I scrutinized him like a freaking scientist watching this guy. Let me see the smoke come out exactly. Yeah, he was for sure doing it, man. It's very strange. Oh, man, that reminds me of uh, college days where we would take a uh, milk jug and cut the bottom off. Gravity and bong. A gravity bong in, Hell the yeah. bat- in the bathtub, man. Like, God, that's just so so dirty. Like, looking, thinking back about it. <laughs> And you're using like foil to smoke out of it. Oh, Oh, yeah. So gross. Terrible, terrible. Uh, But yeah, no. So they're also using it in combination with therapy, right? So exposure therapy, essentially, it it breaks down your barriers a bit and it's easier for you to confront some of those traumatic events in your life. And that seems like it could be really beneficial. I know they're doing that with ketamine as well. Yeah. Ketamine is also on a, I don't know if you've heard people describe ketamine. It's on it. I don't, I really wouldn't recommend it, frankly. I, I prescribed it to a cat, my cat after surgery. Do they do that? Yeah, that's that's how it's normally used uh, by vets as an animal tranquilizer. Okay. Um, but for humans, we experience what's called K-holing, if you do enough. And a K-hole is a 100% dissociative experience. K-holing is frankly scary. Um, you, you, you experience like whole other lives. Uh, so for example, you can, uh, you got to do a lot you know, a very large amount. But when you do a large amount, not the amount that they'd be giving to you in these therapeutic settings, you, you like become a new person. So for example, uh, a buddy of mine, he K-holed one time and we were in the room and he just passed out and he came back and he was panicking, going crazy. Like, Oh, what's going on? Are you okay? Are you okay? He ran out of the room. We had to finally calm him down. He explained to us what happened. He had ingested it. He laid back. He came back up and he was in a room with several other people that he had never met before. And they had a conversation with him and they were referring to him by a different name. And there were there were a whole different set of things on the table. And then suddenly he was back in our reality. That is unbelievably terrifying. So, yeah. and that's one that's that's one you can potentially overdose on if you were to do too much, right? Yes, you right. can definitely okay. overdose on ketamine. That's again not something I would recommend. I was reading a paper like before we started this uh, interview, and it was saying basically like researchers haven't really seen much of a difference between doing a full dose and then microdosing. So, like essentially, there's no key secret to microdosing. You could do a full dose and get similar effects. Yeah, it's, it's the therapy. Um, it's like you said, it's the set and setting. So as long as you're in the same therapeutic setting, doing a threshold dose and doing the, the heroic dose as Terrence McKenna coined, both of these will have the very, very similar effect on your life. That's as far as motivation is and therapy is concerned. If you are trying to explore the inner self and you're trying to experience ego death, that's not going to happen on a threshold dose period. You need very, very large doses of a psychedelic to achieve that. Um, so there is a major difference there. But as far as, hey, I just I want to I want to be less depressed. I want to be more motivated. No, you, you absolutely do not need a giant dose. Microdose is more than enough to achieve those result, uh, results. 
Great. And um, if any of my listeners want to try it, like, do you know a guy or? <laughs> I'm, just I'm just joking. I'll be I'll be honest. I don't really know how this works, but I've seen ads on Instagram constantly because I follow all these psychedelic pages. Um, constantly, I see ads on Instagram for people to go to these institutions where you can take these substances. And, yeah, for and like to be part of research, right? Not just research. A lot of them are just for just individual. To like have a good time. Yeah. yeah, to have a good time and to go through therapy. And a lot of them are fully funded, so you don't have to pay anything. I've read the experience reports of people that have gone to them, and it just sounds like people like me giving, you know, giving these doses and and sitting for these people in a therapeutic setting. It, it sounds absolutely amazing. I'd love to try it out one day. Something else I recommend to your listeners, I, I think I brought this up the other day, is sensory deprivation. Um, if you ever go into a sensory deprivation tank, which is something that was created by John C. Lilly to help him explore what it would be like to experience life as a dolphin. But if you go into a sensory deprivation tank and also take a hallucinogen or a psychedelic, the effects are unbelievably incredible and potent um more dissociative than anything um so you you could take a, just a couple tabs of lsd and have an experience similar to dmt uh, unbelievably potent i highly highly recommend it and it's totally safe you're just you're sitting in salt water it's not a big deal thanks so much to es fine fine is spelled f-e-i-n you can find him on instagram at author es fine on his website at officialesfine.com. His book is called Points of Origin. If you want to discuss these topics further, hop into the comments section on the episode page at prodigypodcast.com. Prodigy was created and produced by me, Lowell Berlanti. The executive producer is Tyler Klang. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to help me out, you can follow the show on Apple Podcasts or share an episode with a friend. I also really appreciate when listeners send me messages and I respond to everyone. Prodigy is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council.